Well, good morning, and yeah, hey, and uh, welcome to those who are maybe just now joining us online, or if you've been online the whole time, it's really great to have you with us. We're really thankful uh, that you've chosen to, to be with us today, whether it be virtually or in person. Uh, welcome back to the Bardells. We're glad to have you back with us. We've been praying for you guys, for Carson, we'll continue uh, that as well. So you guys make sure, and, and some of you know what's been going on with them, uh, make sure and stop by and talk to them afterwards. Give them your love because we missed you, and, um, and uh, maybe take a moment, just pray with them. That would be great. And maybe you know somebody here and, and somebody else here that you know has been having a tough week or whatever, and maybe after church you just need to get together and pray with them and pray for them. So um, I want us to be a church of prayer, and we're going to cover that uh, moving forward. And so a couple of real quick announcements. Number one, you may have recognized that Bethany and Kenan are not here. Um, Kenan had some trouble with his foot that we thought he broke his foot. He ended up not, uh, as far as we know, we got x-rays. And so he's in an orthopedic shoe, which is awesome when you're 15 years old. Um, so he ended up not breaking it, but um, he had the opportunity to go over to Bethany's parents for a week and work on his car uh, with his grandfather. Because, you know, 15 years old, he's looking forward to turning 16 and driving our old jalopy. So anyway... Uh, he's over there, um, and she's coming back tomorrow, but um, she wanted to be here with you all, and she certainly uh, will miss being with you guys. But it's also her mother's birthday, so she gets to spend time with her mama, which is real sweet. Uh, the second announcement is this week, uh, beginning Tuesday and probably through about Thursday uh, or Friday, uh, they're going to be replacing the roof of this building. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting thing. It's an exciting thing, um, but... What that also means is that because all the work and everything's going to be going on, uh, I'm not going to be here during the week. And so if you need me for something, you want to meet up, um, give me a call on my cell number. You guys, most of you already have that, or drop me an email or Facebook message, carrier pigeon, smoke signal, something. Um, and, and we'll set up and we'll go, we'll go sit and have coffee somewhere. Or I can come over to your house if you want to meet um, but I won't be in this office this week. I will be, I will be mobile, um, and I've yet to figure out where that's going to be because our house is torn up right now with uh, the basement being remodeled. So not, not 100% sure where that's going to be, so just reach out to me. Um, but if you just stop by the church, you're going to find a lot of guys on the roof and nobody in the office, So just so you're aware of that. Um, the last thing I'll just say in relation to that is um, we do have to come up with close to $30,000 to pay for the roof. And so um, if you would pray about that and see if maybe the Lord would lead you to give something above and beyond your regular tithe and offering uh, to that, we've got some options we're looking into. Uh, we did have, we have had $3,000 come in for the roof, which is, you know, praise God, that's an amazing thing. And so um, really, really exciting. So anyway, just wanted to put that and keep that in front of you. If you do want to give to the roof, please make sure and designate that on the check um, in the memo line so that when AJ goes through and makes deposits and counts everything, that he knows that it makes sure it goes into the right, um, to the right place. Is that sufficient, you think? Good? Okay, cool. Good deal. Good deal. Okay, so, so he, he'll set up a designated fund for the roof online. So if you give online, and those of you watching online, if you want to give online, you can give your regular tithes and offerings. Just make sure you stipulate that it's to the general, and then there'll be a separate one that AJ will set up that will be specifically for the roof, for anything above and beyond you like to give towards that. So 
Anyway, thankful for everybody. Thankful for your obedience and giving uh, as the Lord has, uh, has called us and commanded us. So this morning, um, last week, last week, let's start with last week, we started through a new series called Replant, and it's topical, and you guys know I don't like to preach topically because I think the regular, uh, the regular uh, diet of a church should be expositional Bible preaching through books of the Bible. But I wanted to cover uh, the mission and vision of the church moving forward because we're really replanting, we're really re launching Hope Bible Fellowship out into the world. And after two or three years of, of some uncertainty and things kind of going crazy, and then the last year and a half of just insanity in the world in general, uh, and we're really replanting and relaunching out into the world. So last week's message centered on a theology of the church, what the Bible had to say about what a church is, and specifically what a healthy church is and looks like. And our desire at Hope is to be a church driven by the gospel and faithful to the biblical model of what a local church looks like. And I hope that you will continue to join me as we march through these topics. And we get our marching orders directly from Scripture. They come from various passages in the Scripture, but the Bible is our authority for it's right in, I mean, it's our, the Bible is our middle name. I mean, really. Hope Bible Fellowship, right? <laughs> the Bible, that was not as funny a joke as I thought it was going to be, just so you know. But um, the, sometimes they just fall flat. Um, but, but the Bible is our authority in how we do things and who we are and, and what we feel like the church needs to look like. But it, it doesn't matter what we feel. What matters is what the Scripture says. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to understand, to apply his truth to our lives and to the life of our church. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this group of people. Um, Father, I've said this many times to many people, but I've never been loved like this by a church. And I thank you for them, for the care they have for my family, for the care they have for me personally. God, I pray that we would continue that, that we would care for one another deeply. Not just, hey, how you doing, but, but, but really seeking the good of others. That's love. Help us to love one another deeply. Help us to love you deeply. Help us to seek your word, to be known for our prayer, for our repentance. Because we know we fight that battle against sin. And Jesus, you've already won the victory. Help us to walk in that and to live that out in our lives, Jesus, as humble servants. Make me humble as a leader, as a pastor, as a shepherd. Be big here, Jesus. May you increase and I decrease. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, I've got all these notes today, and I'm going to use them and all that, but I, I really want you to hear my heart for what the church needs to be. I hope that comes through. But, but let me ask you this question. How often do you think about your future? And, and in that, do you ever think about the future of our church? What do you see, and don't answer out loud or this is going to get real confusing, but, but what do you see when you look at the future of hope? See, we stand here today on the shoulders of men and women of faith who came before us, who prayed and served and loved and envisioned something. And we wouldn't be here without those faithful saints, but 
we're at a point where we got to decide, like, what is this going to look like moving forward? And that's, that's again, that's what this uh, series is about. But I've got this friend named Tom Hufty, and he, he pastors down in the Metro East area of St. Louis. And he has this sort of life statement that he tries to live by. And I met Tom in college. He, was, he worked at the college. He was a, a, a professor and an administrative guy at the college. And, but he had this statement that he lived by, and he tries to live by. And I, I heard him say this not too long ago on a podcast too, but uh, most of the people who are close to him could tell you that this is a statement that he lives by because he's just kind of, that's one of the things he's kind of known for. It's good, and, and it really encompasses part of what I think we need to, to be thinking about, part of what we need to be thinking about as a church. Because a lot of times we can get really caught up and kind of just live in day, day to day, and we need to live day to day, day in, day out faithfulness. But what, what Tom says is he, he wants to live to touch a day he will never see. Live to touch a day I will never see. See, in this statement, he's recognizing and affirming that we're not working for our own good, but we're working to the glory of God so that in years that are beyond what we will ever live to experience, the glory of God and the truth of the gospel will be known here, here in Dixon for us, and that there will be people who've not even been born yet who will be serving the Lord in Dixon. See, we should not be trying to build something for ourselves, but we should be building for future generations, for disciples that are yet to be made and will be made and will continue to make other disciples. As we look forward to where we're going, we begin to throw around words like mission statement and vision and other smart-sounding words. And those two words, mission and vision in particular, get vastly misunderstood in the church. See, we've brought in so many business practices into the church in America, uh, so many corporate ideas that it's easy to get really turned around if we're not careful and begin focusing on everything except the main thing, okay? It's part of the reason that I don't really like business talk in the church because we've let that, there's a whole church growth industry, one guy calls it church pharma, which I think is hilarious, or Big Eva, maybe, you could say, right? But uh, in the evangelical church, there's this whole church growth movement, and this church growth, like there's books you can buy, and all kinds of stuff, and I get, I am inundated as a pastor because I go to conferences and I sign up to win things, right? Hey, we're giving away a, an, an iPad, or we're giving away this or that, or a library, or this or that, so you sign your name, and for the next 30 years of your life, you get emails about, Let's help you break the 200 barrier, you know? Or let's do this, or let's do that, or your church needs a whatever, jungle gym that spins around and changes colors. I'm being a little facetious, but I don't like the business talk because in many ways it misses the point entirely. I want to get to the word, but first I want to look at what mission and vision actually are. Okay, so what's mission? Well, mission is this. Mission stays the same through different times and places. Think of the mission as the what. Okay, I didn't make that up, all right? Uh, But think of the mission as the what. It's what are we doing? What are we trying to accomplish? What is the mission? What is the goal? What is the end game for you Avengers fans? That's mission. 
That's mission. Now, vision. If that's what mission is, if mission is the what and it stays the same and we're always, we're focused, we've got the one target, the one aim, the one thing we're going at, then what is vision? Well, vision, if, if mission is the what, then vision is the how. Vision changes to align with particular times and places. It doesn't necessarily stay the same. The vision is how we accomplish the mission set before us. The mission is the goal, right? The destination. And the vision is the map of how we get there. Okay? Now, these two words have been, like, (laughs) hilariously misunderstood in church. Okay? Uh, Everything from... Uh, making it too corporate and too businessy and all this to I got to have this cosmic vision of what this is supposed to be and you know and and make it all like like and you can't argue with the vision and you know and I think both of those miss the point altogether but I think if this is our understanding of mission and vision it raises a couple of questions and as we answer these important questions, we're going to be forced to answer other questions that are associated with them. You ever notice that when you ask a question and you answer the question and it brings up another question? That's kind of what this is going to be like. A list of questions and answers and more questions. In many cases, serving the mission of the church actually will cause us to have to change our vision of the way the mission is accomplished. And part of the reason for going through this whole series of replant is so that we can all be on the same page with what we're doing and why we're doing it. Part of the reason is so that if somebody comes up with this idea and we think, wow, that's a really good idea, and we say, no, we're not going to do that because it doesn't help us get towards the mission. It doesn't help us accomplish the mission. It doesn't get us further down the path. A good friend of mine has a, has a church in a uh, church that he just recently planted, and one of their core values is we say no that we can, so that we can say yes. There's some things we say no to because there's something better that will help us accomplish the mission. Or there are things we'll say no to so we don't get overextended and miss being able to do the things that actually accomplish the mission. And we do that in our lives, right? We do that in our lives. There's things you say no to so that you can spend more time with your family because you know that's more important, Right? Your, your buddies want you to go fishing, but you haven't seen your kids in a week because you've been traveling for work. And so you say no to your buddies so that you can spend time with your kids because that's more important, right? We do that all the time. We're just bringing it into, into the church. So that's great, Pastor. What's our mission? What's our aim? And that's point number one if you're taking notes. What is our aim? What are we aiming at? What is our end goal? Let me begin by sharing a story with you. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. But as you're doing that, let me just share this story with you. When we lived in East Peoria, we lived near a bike path. We lived in a parsonage, and it just happened to be near a bike path. And I like to go walking sometimes. Now, generally, I like to walk alone. I used to get up early in the morning, though, and go walk with Bethany on this bike path because she liked to walk and she wanted me to go walk with her in the morning for two miles in the summer when it was hot on a blacktop bike path. Okay, you get the idea. But I remember in particular there was one day where I woke up five days in a row and I sort of begrudgingly walked out the door, half stumbling, you know, and onto the bike path and we would walk for two miles. I'd go with her all the way to the street 
there was a street that marked one mile from our house. So I'd go all the way with her to that street, and then we'd touch the street with our feet, and we'd turn around and come back, and it was two miles. Now, I've walked and jogged by myself before, even since then, although it doesn't look like I jogged much. But I have done that since then, even. But here's the thing. When I would set out, when I would, I would go out by myself, and I like going by myself, but I would go out by myself, and I would set a goal, a target destination, I'm going to walk to that street and then turn around, then I would walk there, I'd turn around and I'd come back. However, if I left the house, just headed out, I'm just going on a walk, but I hadn't previously determined where I was headed or how long I was going to go for, then I'd be very likely to decide somewhere along the way, oh, I'm too tired, and I turn off the path early or turn around early and head back. Either it got either I got tired or I decided that I just didn't have time to make whatever goal I hadn't set in the first place. What I'm getting at here is we need to have something we're trying to accomplish. We need to have a, a target in mind or we're going to miss every time. If we're not, we don't have something we're aiming at, we're always going to miss. So what is the mission we're setting out to accomplish And I'm so glad you asked because the Bible actually points that out. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. This is going to be very familiar to some of you. Some of you, it may be the first time you're hearing it. But if you follow along with me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of of God. Now let's take a look. And what this says on the basic level. Part of this passage is what we refer to as the Great Commission. And it lays out the mission of the church. Jesus had directed his followers to to go to the mountain. And when they saw him, they worshipped. Now I want to point something out. It says right there, some who were there doubted. So they saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and they worshipped him. But some doubted. It's an amazing statement in and of itself. Jesus comes near to them and gives what we know as the Great Commission. Now, I I don't want to spend a ton of time on the some doubted part, but I just want to point that out. Uh, They doubted. They were still there, even though they doubted. Just because you have doubts doesn't mean you should turn and run away from Jesus. See, the thing about Jesus, the thing about Christianity, the thing about the Bible is it has answers for our doubts. It doesn't mean that we can find an answer for every single question that we ever have, but we understand that Jesus is the answerer and the answer and trusting in him. That's something we we actually talked about several weeks ago in men's group. So Jesus comes near and he tells his followers, these are people that follow him, to go and make disciples. I want to look at the first part of that. He says to go, tells them to go go. And as they're going, what are they supposed to go and do? Well, they're supposed to make disciples of all nations. 
that seems inclusive of all ethnicities to me. And then he tells them to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, for many churches, it's like they, they thought he stopped talking right there. Okay? Go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Many churches were content and have been content for years to get someone to walk down an aisle, to pray a prayer, and to get into the baptismal waters, and they stopped there. But Jesus doesn't stop there in the Great Commission, right? There's more to this mission that we have. And, and part of the problem, part of the reason why in, in a lot of churches we find a large discrepancy between who's on the membership role and who's actually in the seats on Sunday morning. Because they've built these numbers of we want to get people to pray a prayer and, and we want to baptize them. And then those people have floated away like helium balloons, never tied down, because they were not engaged in the rest of the mission. If you continue reading this passage, Jesus does not stop with with salvation and baptism. He goes on to command his disciples to teach these new converts to observe everything he had commanded them. And he ends with assuring them of his presence in their lives. So we must conclude from this that the mission of the church, the Great Commission, that which was passed on to us with authority by the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Christ who has authority and gives us authority to do this, we must conclude that the mission of the church is to make disciples. And if we stop at baptism... We're really not following the mission orders that our king has given us. Now, this begs us to ask a few other questions, right? I think we we have to get real basic with this. Number one, what is a disciple of Jesus? Number two, how are disciples made? If we're supposed to make disciples, how are we supposed to make disciples? Number three, how have we been doing at making disciples? Number four, How are we specifically going to make disciples here in Dixon? Well, I want to spend the rest of our time this morning taking a look at these questions in particular. And we're going to start with number one of my questions, which is actually point number two. If that's not confusing enough for you, I'm sure it'll get worse. What is a disciple of Jesus? What is a disciple of Jesus? We throw that word around disciple there's really not two classifications of Christians. Okay. A disciple is a follower of Christ. We're, it's not like there's, well, the barely saved and then like super Christians, right? There's not, there's not classif- it's not a caste system, okay? Bobby Jameson writes this, To be a disciple is to be a student, someone who learns from and imitates his teacher. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are all called to continually learn from him and follow him in every area of life. Practically speaking, this means that we need to realize that discipleship is a lifelong process. In this life, none of us is a finished product. We all need to continually progress as disciples. None of us in this room are perfect. I hate to break it to you, but you're not perfect. And I hate to break it to you again, I'm not perfect. And if you are perfect, 
you should leave because I think I said last week, we'll mess you up. See, there was only ever one perfect man, and they hung him on a cross 20 years ago. All of us who are followers of Christ need to continually grow as followers of Christ. And as a Christian, there would have been a certain point in your life where you first believed the gospel, where you first submitted your life to Christ, where you heard that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, born of a virgin, 100% man, 100% God, lived a perfect life that you could not live, and gave that life on the cross in your place because we're all sinners and, and our sin deserves the wrath of God, rightfully and justly. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and and it says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God the gift of God is this that Jesus, though he had never sinned, died on the cross. Willingly. No man took his life. He gave his life willingly as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for all of our sin. The sin you committed yesterday and the sin you'll commit tomorrow and the stuff you're maybe doing right now. And he took the wrath that was due us upon himself. And there was a time, if you were a follower of Christ, that where you first believed the gospel, where you first submitted your life to Christ, where you repented of your sin, turned away from your sin, and turned towards Jesus. Now listen closely to this, because everything else hinges on it. If you simply made a decision at some point, walked an aisle, maybe at a camp, or maybe at a revival service... And you walked an aisle, you made a decision, you said a prayer because you're repeating after someone at some point in your life, and your life did not change in any way at all, then it's likely that you're not truly a follower of Christ. That doesn't mean you have to have, be perf- perfect, okay? But when someone becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, when they become a Christian, they get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to grow the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and... and um, if any of you are worried about that, it may only be a bud of the fruit of the Spirit because you've never truly been discipled, okay? And so, but there still will be a bud of the fruit of the Spirit. He changes our desires and gives us a desire for Him. All of us, from the newest of Christians to the oldest of Christians, must be growing throughout our whole lives as we follow Christ. It's a lifelong process. The way I illustrate it for people is this. You come to a point in your life where you trust Jesus Christ, where you trust the gospel here. And from that point on, there's like this growth curve, right? This growth plane, if you will, right? This incline of growth where in 10 years, you should be further along than you are today. The same things that that tempt you and that try you today shouldn't be as big of a temptation and a trial 10 years from now. And you should be continually growing. And that, that stops when we have your funeral, okay? Well, it actually stops when you die. Okay, we'll may not have your funeral till a few days later. Okay, but but it stops when you die. It's a lifelong process. But there's there's this initial of becoming a believer in Christ, and then this growth. And if we're to make disciples who make disciples, we need to be growing, and we need to make be making people who we are helping grow. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Everything that Jesus commanded. And it's a lifelong process. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, it says, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who has decided that everything else in the world compared to Jesus is just junk. It's rubbish. That I will cling, someone who says, Jesus died in my place for my sin. We sang about that. And for, for us to truly grab on is for us to say, nothing else matters in comparison. Nothing else matters as much as Jesus. And then live our lives as that is true. And disciple someone who's died to themselves and risen to new life in Christ. So how are disciples made? What is discipling? Well, discipling is, simply put, helping others grow closer to Jesus. It means growing as a follower of Jesus yourself and helping other people to grow to do the same. Here, here, here's something. If you are in a discipling relationship with someone, you may be getting with them to disciple them and help them observe these things, but you also will grow. That's sort of the, the, the little discipleship secret, right? You will grow. Matthew sixteen twenty four through 25 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, or loses his life for my sake will find it. And also John twelve twenty five through 26, he says, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Discipleship must be intentional. It must be Intentional. Disciples typically aren't accidentally made, okay? We've got to be intentional. If we want to be discipled, we've got to intentionally find someone to disciple us. And if we want to disciple someone, we need to be intentional about doing things to help them grow closer to Christ, closer to God. We must be intentional. And I think part of this, you know, we come to church and we hear a sermon, or we uh, maybe go to a Bible study, or we listen to a podcast, wherever we hear some pastor eloquently um, talk about uh, something wrong here. Okay. Let me check my connection. Sorry, I'm fuzzing out. Apologize. 
All right, I'll just stop moving. That's going to translate well to the audio <laughs> recording. <laughs> uh, we must have a godly motiva- motivation for making disciples. We hear somebody speak eloquently. We hear a podcast. We hear a sermon. Really sort of like, oh, I want to get amped up. We're going to go make disciples. But if we don't have a godly motivation for that, and it's just and it's just because we heard a you know a sort of TED talks about it, that's not going to be sufficient. Colossians three one says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as Christ as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Bobby Jameson, in detailing uh, motivations from this passage, he sort of breaks down our motivations, our godly motivations for making disciples. Our godly motivations should be this. Uh, number one is our death to sin and new life in Christ. Because we've died to sin and we've been raised to new life in Christ. That should motivate us to obey the Great Commission, to make disciples. Number two, our certain hope of glory with Christ. And we see that there in verse 4. Because we have a certain hope of glory with Christ, we should be making disciples. Number three, the fact that God hates sin and will punish sin. If we believe that God hates sin and we believe God will punish sin, that should be a motivation for us to snatch as many people out of the way of wrath as we can. Number four, our new nature in Christ, verses 9 through 11, or excuse me, 9 through 10 in that passage. Our new nature in Christ should motivate us for doing the things that Christ does, the things that Christ has commanded. Number five, God's electing love for us because he has love for us, verse 12, because he has chosen us and revealed to us the truth of the gospel, we should be motivated for making disciples. And lastly, God's forgiveness of our sins, verse 13, because God has forgiven our sins, so we should, number one, be forgiving of others and be patient and grace-filled with others as we disciple them. Godly motivations. Because of who God is, because he's holy, sovereign, creator, savior, and judge, because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, because he took the wrath due for us, he paid the price for our sins, he took our punishment, 
and gives us his righteousness. And because of who he's made us in Christ, the righteous kids of God. See, when I hear anybody just speaking, you know, whether it be in front of Congress or anywhere, and they say, well, we're all children of God. No, we're not. No, we're not. Those who have been bought by the blood of Christ. See, what happens in salvation is, is Jesus takes our wrath upon him on the cross, and he exchanges that. They call it the great exchange. He gives us his righteousness. And by, by through that, through us trusting in him, repenting of our sin and believing the gospel, we can become adopted into the family of God, the righteous kids of God. And everything I've talked with up to this point, though, deals with our mission We must have clarity of our mission to make disciples. And if we're truly teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, then that would include the great commission that we are given. Therefore, it isn't enough for us just to make disciples, but we need to make disciples who are in turn making disciples. Who make disciples who make disciples. It's like uh, if you take a picture of yourself in the mirror and then you see the picture and then you see yourself in the picture in the mirror and you see yourself taking the picture of yourself in the mirror and you keep seeing, like it just goes on ad infinitum. We should be making disciples. Generation after generation of disciples. That's our mission. That's what we're committed to. That's what we're focused on. But how are we going to do that here in Dixon? Again, glad you asked. Our mission is to be and make disciples for the glory of Christ by gathering, growing, and going to the ends of the earth. So how are we going to do that here? Well, I'm advocating for a simple process. A simple process that we can all understand, we can all know, and we can kind of even sort of figure out where people are at in that process. And that's just this. And I I had it real simplified to three words, um, but I've... Just for going through this, I've added a couple of uh, one word to each of the three words. They all start with G. Um, And uh, this is previously what I had talked about last year when I first got here as the the table pulpit square or pulpit table square and those different things. And I've kind of tweaked it a little bit to kind of fit now that I know us all a little bit better, uh, a little bit more, and where we're at and what we need to do. And so. This is not simply a vision of what we're going to do, but it's also the process by which we're going to do it, how we're going to measure where people are at in the process. It's, it's how we're going to move people along through the process of discipleship, how we're going to be able to share what our church is about, to evaluate where people are and seek to transition them from uh, coming into the church, uh, becoming believers and discipling, and then landing in leadership roles. These will be areas that will hope for and expect all of our members to hopefully eventually be engaged in. And each of these three big elements of our, of our vision and discipleship process will be expounded upon um, later on. But I want to go through them together right now. Uh, so what it is, is it's gather together, grow deep, and go wide. Gather together, grow deep, and go wide. And so the first one is gather together. That's what we're doing right here. This is our worship gathering, our gathering together as the blood-bought body of Christ. This is upward-focused. It's not focused on you and me. It's focused on the Lord. We gather where the Word of God is proclaimed and is central. Preaching of the Word is central to this event. As we hear from God's Word, we gather to worship together corporately as a local body of Christ's followers, and we gather to pray for the lost and for one another. 
we gather to be sent as messengers of the gospel. So the gathering is very important. It's why so many Christians struggled the last 16 months. Because in many places and times, they weren't able to gather together. The, the word church comes from the word ecclesia. We get it from the word ecclesia that's used in the Bible. And ecclesia actually is not a building, it's a gathering. Remember, we're a people, not a place. The church is a people, not a place. So we gather together. So we must gather together. And in gathering together, we will expect that, hey, if you're a member, you're a covenant member of Hope Bible Fellowship, we would just expect that you would want to gather every Sunday and worship Jesus. Now, we're not going to throw you out if you miss a Sunday or anything like that. So don't, don't, don't go crazy with that. But we would just expect that if you want to follow Jesus and be discipled and disciple others, that you'll want to gather together and worship. And so our hope would be that those who are, who are part of our body would make it a priority, make it a priority to gather together and worship the Lord as a body of believers. So gather together. Secondly, grow deep. This is referring to being and making disciples. We want spiritual growth and not only numeric growth. Oh, well, sure, we'll take the numeric growth if it comes, but we want that to be accompanied by spiritual growth. We don't want to be uh, a mile wide and an inch deep, okay? We want spiritual growth. We commit as a church to going deep in the Word. If you are relying on Sunday morning only for all of your spiritual growth during the week, you're not going to grow very much. By the grace of God, we have so much access to means of spiritual growth. Now, the Holy Spirit does the work of growing in you, but we're to be growing as disciples through regular practice of the spiritual disciplines, primarily prayer and intake of the Word of God. I've, I've said it many times before. There was a study done and, and like that, that just kind of spoke to it. I think we all already knew it, but it really put it in black and white that the number one indicator of someone's spiritual growth, like as you look at people who are growing spiritually, is their engagement with the Word of God. That they're regularly in the Word of God. Whether it's personal devotions or that in addition to gathering in Bible studies like men's and women's groups or other Bible studies and being a part. Uh, maybe it's what they're reading. They're reading good Christian books. You have a pastor who has a few and would be happy to uh, recommend good ones to you. But reading good Christian books that help you understand and, and, and break down the Word of God as well. Something we're going to be starting to help with Grow Deep is called a discipleship training program. Now, my goal is to start it later this fall, okay? It'll be a one-year one program uh, that I'll lead um, making disciples, specifically to disciple you, and as individuals, um, you would go through it for a year, and it'll cover systematic theology and biblical theology, uh, and theology of the gospel, and how to read and study the Bible, um, and, and those different topics in a year of, of basically, for lack of a better term, class, right, um, where I'll lead you through those things, and then after a year, you'll be encouraged to begin discipling others and walking other people through it. Find someone a little farther behind you and begin to disciple them. You don't have to be a super Christian to make disciples. You have to be a believer in Christ and willing. <laughs> and find someone who's a little bit farther behind you 
and begin reading the Bible with them. It's really that easy. But we're going to talk about that, and so you'll be hearing more about the DTP, Discipleship Training Program. Uh, love my acronyms, uh, I guess. Um, uh, moving forward as it gets fleshed out a little bit more, but that's something I feel really Im- it's going to be really important uh, for us to do. Because uh, I think in one year, we ought to be able to, to, to learn bas- the, the basic things that every believer in Christ, I think, needs to know. Uh, good understanding of the overview of Scripture, good understanding of how that works together, how to read it, how to study it for yourself, and how, how to lead other people through it as well. So I'm excited about that. So that's, that's, uh, that's Go Deep. And the last one, or sorry, that's Grow Deep. The second one, or third one, I can't talk anymore. The third one is Go Wide. Go Wide. This is to be serving in the community of Dixon as a gospel light. This is when, not just us as a corporate body, this is to encourage you individually as well. To individually be involved in community events and organizations, as well as organized outreaches by the church. Personal evangelism will play a large part here, as well as simply having a ministry presence in the community of Dixon. This will also incorporate global missions and our global missions partnerships into this as well. So what this is going to be, when we're talking about going wide... We're not talking about just sending you to Afghanistan. That may be part of it, okay? Um, but what we also want to do with going wide is we want you to go out and uh, be a gospel presence at Petunia Festival. Maybe as a church we have organi- outreaches that we do during the year, um, but then also you individually are to be uh, kind of like a little missionary uh, you know, on the school board or at the uh, at the play date of the mom's group or at the grocery store. I, I posted something like this on my Facebook, and it's not original to me, uh, but I just really, I, I, went, I go to the same coffee shop a lot. And I wasn't there for a while because I was on vacation for a couple of weeks, and I went back in, and the gal, the barista said, oh, we were about to send out a search party. We hadn't seen you for a few days, a couple of days. I said, yeah, I was on vacation. But she recognized me as a regular. So be a regular somewhere. We all have stuff we do. And most of us do it the same place week after week. Be a regular somewhere. Begin to develop relationships with people for the opportunity to have gospel conversations at some point. So this is our our mission and our vision that drives what we do the mission of making disciples, being and making disciples, but then the vision, gather, grow, and go. We want, our vision is we want to be getting everyone from the time they come in to move through this process of being regular, gathering with us, growing in discipleship, discipling others, and going out into Dixon on mission, or the area on mission, and the world. We truly want to be a neighborhood church for the nations. But we want to minister at home and abroad. Because I think the Great Commission applies to all of it. And I think our mission is to do that, all of it. Now, I want to tell you, like, you may look around, you may think, wow, we're kind of a small church. Uh-huh. Um, and in some ways, there's, there's, maybe you think, well, there's disadvantages there. In some ways, there's advantages there. We, you know, we... We're free of not having any pretense right now. 
We don't have lights and cameras and smoke machines, and I realize we do have lights, and there is a camera on me right now. I, I get that. But we don't have all the pretense of having to put on a big show, right? We try to be real. Part of what we value here is being real and transparent, honest about our lives. And in many ways, we don't even have to break through that stuff because it's just, it's just not there. And we can get right to the nitty-gritty of making disciples. By the grace of God, these are the things you're going to be hearing over the next few weeks as well as we continue through this replant service. This is who we want to be as a church. By the grace of God, we're going to be a gospel-centered church. It's at the very center and, and a gospel-driven church, driven by the gospel. I'm actually really excited about preaching on that. I've already started getting it ready. It's for next week. Um, we'll be a gospel-centered, gospel-driven church. Second, we're going to be a praying church, a church dedicated to prayer because we believe that God answers prayer. And every great movement of God that we've seen in the last several years in history was preceded by people praying. Third, a disciple-making church. We talked about that today. Fourth, a missional church, a church that sees themselves on a mission, not just interested in missions, but a church that is missional as if we were dropped by, with a parachute into the middle of Dixon and said, go make disciples. What would we do? We would learn the culture. We would learn what makes people tick, and we would learn how we, we could best minister the gospel to them. And to be a missions active church. I know in the past few years we've had to decrease some of our missions giving. Uh, my goal is that we would increase our involvement in global missions, not decrease it. And so that's something that, you know, and it, we may not be able to do it right away, but that's something that we want to set towards a goal because we think that part of the, goal, the Great Commission is a global uh, imperative, a global um, commission for us to do. There's no reason why Hope Bible Fellowship cannot impact people on the other side of the world. I've even already had some conversations with some folks in uh, the poorest neighborhoods in Scotland called the Schemes, and um, they're interested in us possibly seeing if there's some kind of partnership we could work out there, um, and some other, there's some other places where we've got opportunity to do some real, uh, some real good gospel ministry abroad. So what do you do with this? Well, I want to I present three things to you um, to kind of wrap up three things for you uh, to challenge you with, and then we're going to sing, and uh, we're going to sing our final song, and, um, and then I'll have one other thing I'll have to add, but um, the first thing is this. Do you know a Christian who sets a godly example in the area of discipleship that you struggle with? Maybe there's something you're really, maybe you're really struggling with prayer. Maybe you're really struggling with Bible study. Maybe you're really struggling with, um, maybe you're struggling in the area of stewardship. Is there an area of discipleship where you're really struggling? I want you to think of a Christian who you know, who has set a godly example in this area and ask them to get together with you and talk about it. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't have to be the pastor. I mean, I'm happy to talk with you about those things. The idea is that we would be ministering to one another as well. God's plan is for you to grow through the help of fellow believers. If you don't know someone like this, ask around the church until you find someone who does. Find someone who's a little bit farther than you and ask them to disciple you. To teach. Maybe, 
look, maybe you're good in the whole Bible study area, but you're really struggling with your marriage and you need to have someone disciple, disciple you as a husband or a wife. Ask around. Number two challenge for you is buy in. Buy into this. See, the job of the pastor is to shepherd the church, but to equip the saints for ministry. It was never the intention that the pastor was the one who invited everyone to church, shared with everyone, counseled everyone, and discipled everyone in the local church. If you are a follower of Christ, you're a minister. Now, not a pastor elder. No, not that. But a minister, meaning you are called to make disciples. You have a personal ministry. Now, some of you may be hearing this for the first time, but you're called to ministry if you're a follower of Christ. Not the ministry. Yeah, okay. You're probably not going to be a pastor, although maybe some of you will. But as a believer in Christ, you are called to do ministry. We have to ask ourselves if we're going to take the commands of God seriously. Not just in word, but in deed as well. In our daily, exhausting, nose-to-the-grindstone lives, we're going to have to trust God's rule and reign and command and throw ourselves into the work, or we will let ourselves just fade into the background. I know what my choice is. I know what the choice of those who've come before us was. What will your choice be? Will you buy into this? Will you stake your life on it? Number three, third thing I want you to do. At the back, as you're leaving will be copies of our new bylaws, or constitution, if you want to call it. It's the same thing, okay? A constitution is a word churches use. Everybody else just says bylaws, okay? So our new constitution bylaws will be available out there. Um, It is lengthy. Uh, I want you to take a copy, take it home, read through it. If you have questions about it, I want you to go to one of the deacons or myself and ask us uh, the questions so we can help you through that. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a meeting where if there's any unanswered questions, you'll be able to, after church in a couple of weeks, we're going to be able to stay and people will be able to ask questions uh, if they have any questions that they need to ask still. And then we'll have two more weeks after that. So a full month will have passed that you will have to evaluate and pray over it. Please pray over it um, and think about it. And then we'll come together in a members meeting and vote on whether to adopt these new um, bylaws or not. And that same meeting, we'll be voting to, um, to elect a new deacon as well. Jordan Young has been put before you last week as a, a potential adding to the deacons. And so you've got, uh, again, a month to think and pray on that as well. And if you need to ask questions to the deacons about that, or talk to me if you have some concerns or anything like that, we're happy to hear those as well. But I want you to make sure the the Constitution bylaws will be available as you're leaving. Um, We'll be voting on them on Sunday, August 29th. But part of this buy-in is I want you to read them and pray over them. If you have any questions, again, feel free to ask questions. We would be, uh, be thrilled to answer those for you. I think this is all part of us relaunching, refocusing, making sure... Part, part of it, honestly, part of this is to make sure that we're protected uh, legally as well as, um, as just structurally as a church from any weird church stuff happening, okay? Because I don't know if you know it, but sometimes weird church stuff happens, okay? Uh, and so this should help. So anyway, get copies of those, pray over that. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to have the musicians come forward. I'm going to pray 
And then uh, we're going to sing our final song. I, I know there's a lot in this message today, guys. I know it wasn't like my typical thing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray as we, as we sing. Maybe you just need to bow your head and pray. If you want to sing, that's great, and worship as well. And decide in your heart and pray about it uh, if you're going to buy into this. If this is something you can get on board with. I believe that the Great Commission has to be what we're about. We can't be about programs and having, you know, if we have a really good kids program, that's great, that's wonderful. But, but if we do that and we're not about the Great Commission, then it's just a bunch of activity. Okay? The way that we accomplish the mission is we make disciples who make disciples. And that's what I'm challenging you to today. So I want you to pray and decide in your heart if you're willing to give your life to that. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to this time of closing, God, I just pray that um, God, just speak to our hearts. Just lead us, guide us. Help us be the people you've created us to be here in Dixon. Help us make disciples. Help us be growing as disciples and willing to do whatever it is you lead us to in the avenue of making disciples. God, as we, as we come to this, it's a lot of change. It's a, and I recognize it's a lot of change. But God, what I want is to reflect you to this world and to this city. God, we love each other. We love you. And this church does such a good job loving one another. I pray you'd help us to love those around us as well. That more would come and join us and we would love them and teach them and disciple them and send them out. God, how amazing to see more churches planted out of this church. How amazing to see more people sent to the mission field. How amazing to see more people's lives and marriages changed and rescued. Help us be obedient to what you've called us to do, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen.